Ruth chapter 3. Go ahead and find it. If not, it will be on the screen for you. Ruth chapter 3. Here it is. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Now isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working uh, with his female servants? This evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfumed oil, wear your best clothes, go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the men know uh, you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's laying down. Laying. Go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor, it was a place that they made grain, and did everything her mother-in-law had uh, charged her to do. And after Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of a pile of barley, and she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. So he asked, who are you? I'm Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. And then he said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say. Since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up a while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth, bring a shawl, bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. And when she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl and she went into the town. And she went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who asked her, what happened, my daughter? And Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. And she said, he gave me six measures of barley because he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go. For he won't find, he won't rest until he resolves this issue today. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, uh, we are gathered here in your presence, Lord, in a very similar uh, situation as these poor uh, women in this story, Lord. We are begging for bread, Lord. Uh, We cannot survive without the bread that comes from your word. Lord, that spiritual bread gives us spiritual life, Lord. We pray that you would give that to us today, Lord. We open our mouths and we pray that you would fill it up, Lord. And We, lift it, we raise up our cups, Lord, and we pray, pray that you would fill it to overflowing, Lord, through the power of your spirit in Christ and his name alone, Lord. You do what none of us can do. In Christ's name, amen. Um, if you are new with us, we have been uh, working our way through this little book of, of Ruth. It's a little story that um, is in the first part of the Bible, um, the Old Testament, right? And here's the story uh, in a nutshell. God chose the nation of Israel, right, out of the mess of this world to be the people through whom he would save the world from sin, right? So he chose the nation of Israel. He promised that through them, the Messiah would come, 
right? And his plan to do that was through these people that we just read about. That is this uh, widow named Naomi, uh, this foreigner, this alien uh, named Ruth, who was also a widow, and this bachelor from a small town in the, in the, in the ancient Near East called Bethlehem, right? And a major theme uh, all throughout this book is kindness. That's what we want to look at here today is uh, kindness. Um, me and my family, we had, uh, uh, we, we, last week we went to watch the West Virginia Mountaineers play up in uh, Morgantown. Had a great time. Uh, but if you remember last uh, Tuesday, uh, the weather got a little bit dicey, right? And uh, luckily I got to drive back in that through, through the mountains. And that was a lot of fun. It was very uh, dark. It was icy. There was inches of ice on the sides of the road. Uh, so it was uh, dangerous, right? And uh, we live in dark times, right? Uh, we live in dark, slippery times. And, and as Christians, we cannot act as if we don't live in this world right here, right? We live in this world, in this time, and in this moment. And my burden as a pastor is that we would know how to navigate the road safely and make it all the way home, right? I think a lot of uh, Christians and a lot of pastors just out there on the road just just bawling like 70, 80 mile an hour, right? And they don't realize their roads are slippery, right? You got to slow down. You, you, you need to really know how, what the road conditions are so that you can, uh, you can make it home, right? Uh, you guys ever, you guys ever plan to slip, slip on ice? Anybody ever plan that? Like you wake up in the morning, you're like, here's the first thing on my to-do list. I am going to bust my butt on a patch of ice this morning. You ever plan to do that? I didn't think so. No one plans to slip on ice. Right? You, you get caught off guard, uh, you're not ready, and, and you walk out and you slip on it. What makes, one of the things that makes our moment in time and our culture very slippery is definitions. You weren't ready for that, were you? Yeah, because that's why it's easy to slip. Right? You slip when you're not ready, you don't know uh, what the conditions are. Definitions make it slippery. There's an author, his name was George Orwell. Right. George Orwell wrote a book in 1949 called 1984. Right. And the book is all about this uh, totalitarian superstate called Oceania. Right. And, and the leader is this dictator uh, named Big Brother. Uh, that's probably where the, the idea of Big Brother came from. All right. But uh, Big Brother kind of uh, uh, makes everyone's life miserable um, through the party. Right? And, and what the party does to oppress the people, to deceive the people, to make everything slippery, is something called newspeak. Right? And newspeak is basically just a bunch of made-up definitions for stuff. Right? And so the party would criminalize people who disagreed, had different ideas, different beliefs. They would criminalize uh, any type of free speech or different thoughts as a thought crime. Right? We live in the world of Newspeak, right? This is the world uh, that, we, that we live in um, right now, right? So we're going to look at this book's definition of kindness, right? This book is giving to us a particular definition uh, of kindness, and uh, kindness in Ruth is like uh, when, when the road crews, when the state road puts down the cinders and they plow and it's safe, right? When we stick with uh, the definitions that we have here, uh, because they cut a path through uh, the midst of the ice and the storm for us, right? So the first thing we want to really uh, look at here this morning is what kindness isn't. Y'all ready for this? All right, what kindness isn't? 
right? So verse 10 of Ruth chapter 3. Then he said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness. See it? Now than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. So Boaz is talking to Ruth. She basically proposed to him. And he says, listen, you showed me some serious kindness here, right? Now, the Bible can be very confusing at times because when you step into it, it's like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I did. uh, I went to Rio de Janeiro one time. I flew there all the way by myself. I stepped out of the airport. All the language is different. Smells are different. Sounds are different. uh, What I'm hearing is different and all the words I can't read. That is a jarring experience. And the Bible can be like, we're reading something that's literally over 3,000 years old, right? And we're looking at cultural practices and things that um, are ancient. So um, here's what's going on. Ruth and Naomi, these two widows, hatched a plan to save uh, their lives, to save their ancestors' property, and basically to to not starve and stuff like that. So the plan was this. Ruth was going to propose to Boaz and get married, and they were going to uh, save their family's uh, land and property via marriage and having children. All right, that was, uh, that was what's going on here. So Ruth proposes to Boaz, and Boaz says that what she did was kindness. All right, it was kindness. Now, when it says she was being kind, it does not mean she was being nice. Okay? We're talking about what kindness is, isn't it? Kindness is not niceness. No way, right? Uh, We talked about this uh, in the first uh, chapter. We we mentioned a guy named Stanley Hauerwas. He was a long-term professor at Duke Divinity School. And this is what he says. Uh, The greatest enemy of Christianity is not atheism, but sentimentality, right? And that is true. So what does that mean for us? Here's what that means. That... One of the greatest threats in the church right now is being loving without being truthful. Being nice, never actually speaking the truth, right? Being loving, happy, smiley, never actually getting around to saying what the Bible says and doing what the Bible says that we ought to do, right? So, nice, that wasn't Ruth. That's not what you get from Ruth, right? Uh, Ruth chapter one, uh, when, so Ruth was a Moabite. She was a, belonged to a different country. She married into uh, an Israelite family. Her husband died. She says, I'm going back to Israel with my mother-in-law. That was chapter one. Chapter one, verse 16 says, your God will be my God. You see that? She had a religious conversion. Moabite, the Moabite people were polytheists. They worshiped all kinds of gods and all all kinds of idols. So basically what she did was she rejected her culture's belief system and all the gods and said, it's all lies. It's all wrong. It's all not the truth. And I'm going to be, I'm going to follow the one true and living God. All right. Uh, She came to believe things like Psalm 96 verse 5. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So she came to believe in Yahweh, the creator God, which meant she said that all the gods surrounding Israel and all the cultural practice, they were all worthless idols. And there's only one God. That is the true and living God who made heaven and earth, right? Now that's not very nice, but it is kind. 
because it's true and it's loving. She, Ruth, left her people and went to live with the people of Israel. So she was a Moabite and she left and went to be with the people of Israel. So in other words, her racial identity, her ethnic identity was not up in the cab, up in the front seat with her, but was somewhere in the back seat bouncing around. It wasn't her badge of honor, her race, and her, her ethnic uh, identity. Um, so we got to the West Virginia game pretty early, and uh, we were hanging out, having a good time and, and everything, and I, I stepped out right before the, before the game started, and I, I was walking back up uh, right before the game started, and, and the room got kind of dark, and the, the, the big jumbotron thingy, right, and they have a real nice one there at the Coliseum, it got black. And then there was a Big 12 logo on there. And then some deep voice got on there and began to indoctrinate all these good, wholesome uh, West, West Virginia folks who had no clue what was going on. At least I assume that. Started to preach to us this message about diversity and equity and inclusion and racism and so on uh, and so forth, right? But none of these things were defined. Right? But here is what those words mean. Here is the equality that they were preaching to that whole crowd. Right? Here's what it is. We believe in the diversity of skin color, but not ideas. We believe that there ought to be all kinds of uh, diversity, mandated diversity, but if you've got a different opinion than me, right? you've got a different belief system than us, then it's not allowed. It's not included, although we're talking about inclusion. I, I just... As I was thinking about it, as I, picture, I picture someone giving Ruth a mic and saying, hey, you want to talk about skin color? I'm a Moabite. Look at my skin. Dark. But you know what? I disagree with y'all. I got some different, I believe in Yahweh, the creator God, who made, made man in his image, right? Male and female. That's all we got, right? Am I welcome here? I'm still black. I'm still dark, right? I wonder if they had room for her definition of equality. See, being nice is about being vague, right? I love Ruth. Ruth is so simple, right? She's so simple. She says, all right, your people, my people. Your God, my God. And that's it, right? There isn't any um, uh, him hauling around. That's a good word, isn't it? Him hauling around. There's no him hauling around. Well, uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, your people, my people, your God, my God. And that's it. All right, it's as simple, it's as, simple as that. No stalling, no wasting time, no procrastination, no passive, but decisiveness. It's simple. All right, it really is that simple. We got too many smoking, smoking mirrors and, and fog in our, in our day, right? What we need is a word of truth, right? Uh, we, uh, me and a family, we were watching Shark Tank recently. Does anybody like Shark Tank? Yeah, Shark Tank, right? Where these uh, entrepreneurs basically come, they got a business idea, and they're trying to get some financial backing from these wealthy business uh, folks. So these guys ha had, a, had a really cool idea for these really nice photo booths, right? And uh, they came, pitched the idea, and one of the sharks said, he made him an offer and said, I need an answer right now because I like a decisive partner. And it didn't sound very nice, right? but it was very kind. It was a very kind offer. I need to know right now, are you on board with me? And they, they accepted the offer. Right? That's what we need more in our culture. We need decisive people who are very loving but also know the truth. Being nice is about 
avoiding conflict. Right? Not avoiding conflict. Listen, Ruth could have avoided a lot of conflicts if she just stayed at home. I'm sure, I imagine her, her community, her family, maybe her church was upset. The fact that she left. Right? And then she went to Israel. I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't all uh, fun and games there, being racially uh, different, coming from a, a pagan culture like uh, Moab. Ultim- being nice is ultimately selfish. It is more worried about self, right? saving our neck, worried about what other people think about it, saving our jobs, money, rather than actually uh, being kind, right? It's more worried about self than being selfless. And you know what? That is a big problem. That is a major problem. So what is kindness? Let's talk about what kindness is. Let's look at verse 10 again. Chapter 3, verse 10. All right, then Boaz said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness than before because you have uh, not pursued younger men, uh, whether rich or poor. So the word kindness translated there is the Hebrew word chesed. Now, we talked about that a couple months ago when we looked at the book of the Psalms. And it's a great word because you get to like hock when you do it. It's a guttural chesed. Chesed. Let me do it again because it's fun. Chesed, right? So if you're having a bad day this, you go, this week, you have a bad day, just start saying chesed, right? And you'll see, look, you're smiling. It's fun. Yeah, chesed. It is a beautiful word. Um, anybody get Christmas packages in here from your family? Oh, that is so sad. I'm going to send you a Christmas package, man. Whoever said that. Somebody needs a Christmas package in here. Yeah, someone in the family sends you a Christmas package, right? And it's got all kinds of stuff up in there, like, you know, socks. I'm at the point in life where I, when I get socks, I get, I'm going to get excited about that, right? Socks. You know, maybe there's some popcorn in there. Candy. Man, if you're really blessed, sausage. Get some sausage up, some of the holiday sausage up in there, some, of that, some cheese or something. Uh, but my point is this. It all comes in one package. All the gifts, they're all wrapped up in one package. And that is what the Hebrew word chesed is all about. It is a very technical word in the Old Testament, right? Here's what it, here's what it means. A bunch of God's good gifts wrapped up in one. Love, his commitment to his promises. Or, this is really technical, his covenant faithfulness. His commitment to his promises. Mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty. It refers to acts of devotion and kindness that go beyond the requirements of duty. All right, here, here's, here's the best definition that I was able to come up with. Someone cares and has freely made it their business to look out for you. I love that. Someone cares. Here's Hesed, kindness. Someone cares about you and freely makes it their business to look out for you. And the beautiful thing about the book of Ruth is this kindness, this Hesed, is embodied in all the people in the story. They are all doing beautiful, beautiful things for one another. So why did Boaz say that Ruth's proposal was chesed or kindness? Right? That's super strange, isn't it? I think that's strange even in 2022 for uh, a woman to propose to a man. Right? This is definitely strange in this culture. Right? But uh, here's the point. Here's what Boaz is saying. Ruth didn't have to do this. She did not have to uh, marry him or want to be married to him. But here's why he said it was kindness, because she cared about her mother-in-law. 
right? She freely made it her business to basically save her life. That's what it was. She cared and freely made her business to look out for her and her family by wanting to marry Boaz. Now, that's not very romantic, is it? But it is kind, right? This is totally free here. This is totally free. It's not romance that leads to kindness. It is kindness and commitment and loyalty that actually is the flames of your romance. You can take that home for free and, and stew on that for a little bit. Uh, but we see uh, this kindness in Boaz. We see it embodied in Boaz. Look what it says in uh, 3, uh, 7 through 9. After Boaz ate and drank and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of a pile of barley, and she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down at midnight, and Boaz was startled and turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. And she asked, who are you? She said, I am Ruth, your servant. She replied, take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. So Boaz had a great day at work. He had a great evening. He ate a great meal. He had a couple of uh, good beers. Just a couple, though. Right? This isn't advocating uh, drunkenness. It, it does say, what does it say? Where are they? Yeah, he ate, drank, and was in good spirits. So he had a couple good, good beers. Uh, they were probably dark beers, by the way, like a stout or a porter, um, something like that, because Boaz seemed like a real man to me. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah I, I don't believe the Bible teaches teetotaling, so if, if that's where you're at, great, but uh, we're not, we don't advocate uh, that here. You're welcome to be here, but I'm not going to argue with you about it. Okay, there we go. Uh, yeah, so he had a good day, and he went to lay down, and uh, he went to sleep, and in the middle of the night, there was a lady uh, laying down on his feet, and it totally freaked him out, right? You ever been startled in the middle of the night? Yeah, it's not fun. Uh, one of our uh, daughters, uh, who's going to go unnamed, but I only have two of them, so it's 50-50, and it was Eva. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, you know, we would be, we'd put them to bed when they were, uh, they were younger, and, and we'd go down, and we'd be hanging out and talking, me and my wife, and, and uh, maybe watching some TV, and all of a sudden, we would get the sense that there was another, there was someone else present in the room, and we turn around, look up at the steps, and here's this little face just between the spindles of the stairs, and it's like a horror movie, right? She'd been there the whole time, just, just freaky, just staring at you like that, and uh, it was terrifying, right? Startled in the, in the middle of the night. That's what happened to Boaz. He woke up, and behold, there was a woman laying at his feet. And then she says, take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Okay, now what in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. To spread one's wing over someone was a, was a, was a common Hebrew way of talking about marriage. So Ruth placing the blanket over herself. So wing... Uh, that word can also be translated uh, uh, blanket, right, or the edge of, edge, of, edge of a garment. So it says there at the end, Boaz covered her with a blanket. So Ruth placing the blanket over herself was imagery that she wanted to come under Boaz's redemptive protection and care, right? So she wanted to marry him and to come underneath of his protection and care. In other words, for him to take care of her and her, her family, right? And we had this language back in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 12 says this. May the Lord reward you for what you've done, and may you receive a full reward. So this is Boaz talking to Ruth. A uh, full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. You see that? 
So the book in chapter 3 is picking up the language from chapter 2, right? And it is showing us that a, a responsible husband functions as the wings of God, providing protection and security for all who are in his house. All right, and that's the same today, right? Husbands, uh, men, you are the wings of God to provide protection and care and love and kindness for everyone in your home. And Boaz is doing the kindness of God for Ruth and Naomi. He's demonstrating to them the chesed of God, right, by loving them and taking care of them, right? So here's what God is saying to us through these three ordinary everyday people. All of us in this room ought to show kindness. You, you God demands that you show kindness to one another and to other people. But the Bible is explicit about this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness. See, there it is. Put it on. Clothe yourselves in the, in the kindness of, of God, just like uh, Ruth did with uh, Boaz's blanket. Humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another. Problem is, we want to be nice instead. That's the problem. Kindness is, is not niceness. You can be nice, but not really have any real concern for other people. Yeah, you can smile, super nice, be a good person, right? And, and not really care about other people. You can be nice and wickedly prideful. Yes, some of the most evil, wicked people I've ever met say they are Christians. They smile right? They act happy, but they got knives coming out of their hearts. Yeah, you turn your back, they will cut you. And that is demonic. That is absolutely demonic. This is what Jesus said, Jesus said about the Pharisees. We love God. We read our Bible. We pray all the time. He said, yeah, you are the father of the devil because you don't know how to show kindness and mercy to people who are actually sinners and who are broken. You think you're better than other people. You can be nice, but not gentle. Basically, I'm walking through Colossians 3.12 and, and showing you the opposite of that. You can be kind, and you can be nice and not gentle because gentleness requires proximity who, to people who are fragile, who are, who are broken, who are hurting, who are needy, right? I can smile at them and be nice to them at a distance, but gentleness requires me to get, get hands on with them, get to know them and love them and serve them and help them, right? Niceness avoids all kinds of stuff like that. Being kind requires us to bear with one another. Isn't that what this passage says, right? It says we ought to bear with one another over the long haul. That's what it means to be a true Christian, to be a part of a church, is to commit yourself to people and to bear with them throughout a lifetime. Isn't that what Ruth does? Listen to Ruth one uh, seventeen when she's going from Moab back uh, to, to going to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me. See this? May God punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. What if we made that like the verse for our church? May God punish us if anything but death separates us. Because there really is not a whole lot of biblical reasons to separate yourself from one another. And there's a whole bunch that says that you ought to make a loyal commitment, which is chesed, kindness, 
right? We ought to be able to say this about, about one another. Listen, nothing but death should separate uh, me and Hugh. Nothing but death should separate me and Bubba and uh, my dad or, or whoever, right? What could separate us? What if we thought about the church uh, like this? Uh, this past week, I went to uh, Richmond, Virginia. I did a lot of traveling this past week, too much. I went uh, down to the church that uh, we were a part of uh, in Richmond for 10 years uh, because um, we helped start a seminary. And it's called Grimke Seminary. It's training pastors and church planners and, and uh, leaders. And it's been going for three years now. And they did a pastor's conference. And I wanted to go down and hear the word for myself. I needed to hear the word. And it was fabulous. And I was fed. It was so beautiful, so, so awesome. Right? But, uh, you know, I saw people there that I've known and been serving the Lord with for over two decades. And there's been a lot of kindness that's been displayed on, on everybody's part. Right? It's been a, uh, you know, th- that type of thing does not happen without conflict. When you get a bunch of sinners together, you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? A mess and conflict, confusion, sinning against one another. But you know what you got to do? You got to say, listen. I will do everything that I can. Matter of fact, here's my commitment to you. Nothing but death is going to separate me from you. You got to walk away from these loving hands, baby. You got to walk away from these loving hands because I'm, I'm coming after you. I'm saying, come on, let's do, let, let, let's do this thing uh, together, right? You have to bear with one another. You know what? That's not easy. This is what our culture says. Be nice and take the easy route. But the book of Ruth is saying you need to show kindness to one another. Sin makes us want to give up on people. That's what it does. Sin is completely selfish and antisocial, right? And, and what it does is this. It makes you, it makes you a critic. You, you come into a church like this, and you look at it from the outside, and you start critiquing, you start, uh, you know, start pointing out everyone's faults and flaws, and you become a critic, and it's easy to separate yourself from other people rather than doing what God says you ought to do and that is make a loyal commitment to one another and show kindness to one another that is what it's all about right sin makes us want to give up on people at the first sign that they're really human with real problems real sins and you know what we do we blame it on them we blame our sin of separating ourselves from God's people on other people and it's our fault If we don't do the chesed, the kindness of God, that's our fault. That's what Ruth says. May God punish me if I don't show the same type of love that he's shown to me in in bringing a a pagan Moabite out of Moab and adopting me to be a part of his people, forgiving me of all my sins, right? We are not naturally kind. No, we are not. We are not naturally kind. You know, kids don't come out like toddlers. They don't come out. Just happy, happy, joy, joy, and kindness. No, they take toys and whap each other upside the head with them. You ain't got to teach a kid to do that. That's in their hearts. It comes out. They will kill one another without parents. They could, they, if you weren't bigger than them, they'd probably try to take you out. Believe that. Titus chapter 3, verse 3, here it is. This is who we are naturally. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were wicked, became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other, and we do it with a smile, all the while being nice. There is a world of difference 
between being nice and being kind. All right, so what does kindness do? All right, what, what does kindness do? And here's where I want to pause. Is everybody with me? Are you guys, you guys with me? This is where Christians get it dead wrong. This is where there's so many churches, and probably around this community, I'm going to behave myself, right? But they get it dead wrong. Because here's what they teach, right? The message of the Bible is about being kind. And no, it is not. The message of the Bible is not, hey, be like Ruth and be nice to your mother-in-law. No, it is not. It is not, hey, follow the example of Ruth. Here's what it is. God showed kindness to us who were not kind. That is the message of the Bible. The whole book of Ruth is saying, look at the kindness of God towards wicked, sinful, evil people who hate one another, who aren't kind, but God shows kindness to them anyway. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans chapter 5? God, Jesus died for us when we were his enemies. Right? The beautiful thing uh, about the book of Ruth is that God doesn't give us a definition of kindness. God doesn't say, hey, let me, let me break down to you. Let me denote, right, uh, the, the actual technical definition of the word chesed, right? Let me give you a dictionary entry. He doesn't do that. He gives us three people. He says, look at these people. Look at what they're doing. This is my kindness. This is what it looks like uh, to show kindness. It's like a, a beautiful brand-new LED screen, 4K. It is crystal clear. Look at Boaz. Look at Ruth. Look at Naomi. This is what God's kindness uh, looks like. It is light in the darkness. And in the midst of our world, that's so slippery. Whoa, there's all kinds of crazy words and, and practices and things being thrown out there. And, and it's slippery all, all around. There's a lot of darkness. But this right here is light in the darkness. So what does God's kindness do? God's kindness shows up. That's what it does. God's kindness shows up in the midst of our darkness. It appeared in history. God's kindness has got a date on it. All right, God's kindness appeared in history, right? And, and that's what uh, God's kindness became flesh in Jesus. Think about that. Just like God's kindness was in flesh in Ruth. God's kindness took upon flesh in Jesus Christ and walked and lived amongst us, right? That's why, uh, that's why the book of Ruth is a great on-ramp to the Christmas season and the Advent season because we will be celebrating the fact that God incarnated, God enfleshed himself in uh, the person of Jesus Christ. Light appeared in Jesus in the midst of our darkness. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 7. Look at this. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, you see that? You see that? But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, it's talking about Jesus. He saved us, not by works, uh, not by works of, of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Do you see God's kindness here? Do you see it? That God's kindness appeared for us in the person of Jesus at the cross. In the death of Christ at the cross. 
That is the kindness of God. And it is victorious resurrection from the dead. That Jesus rose from the dead. Victorious over sin. Victorious over death. Victorious over the grave. Victorious over the devil and every demon in hell. That he is risen. He's alive. That, that is God's kindness to us. And you know what? He did all that freely. That is, what, that is the definition of kindness. You freely, you graciously take it upon yourself to care for someone else. He did it freely. He didn't do it because of anything good in us. Listen, God does not like you, love you, bless you because of anything that you've done. If you're here and you think, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. It's wicked. There's hatred in there. All right, God, didn't, God doesn't love you. He doesn't do anything for you because of something that you've done. He doesn't do it because you walked in this building here this morning. Nothing. He doesn't do it because you're better than somebody else. All right, or you compare yourself to somebody else. No, he did it despite you. He did it despite us and all of our unkindness. At the cross, Jesus substituted himself for us. And that is the kindness of God. That Jesus took our hell and our death and uh, judgment upon himself. He made it his business to look out for you. That is God's kindness. He, his kindness bled for you. His kindness died for you. His kindness rose for you. His kindness will return again for you one day. Let me ask you a question. Have you received his kindness yet? Have you received God's kindness in your life yet? Um, I work for the county in, in substance abuse, and we have a young lady up there that is making some good steps towards her sobriety. And you know what? She can't take a compliment. She can't take one compliment. And I don't think anyone's ever complimented her in her whole life. Say, I'm proud of you. Hey, you're doing good. Keep it up. Right, she changed the subject, gets awkward. Now, let you in on, uh, on me uh, as a person. I don't have any problem receiving gifts. If you, if you want to give me a gift over the holiday season, you know what? I will receive that. I will receive it. I just try it out. I'll show you. I'll receive a gift. Uh, here's my point. Have you received this gift of God's kindness yet? Listen, God has been so kind with you, enduring with you, bearing with you, being patient with you throughout your whole life, right? But that's not always going to be the case. There's going to be a day when his kindness, his patience runs out, when the time is up. Have you come to receive this gift? Because he didn't have to do it. If so, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? Yeah, we got, we got two people who are going to come up in front of us on the 11th and celebrate the fact that God has shown his kindness to them. And you know what? They want all of y'all to know. Hey, is there anybody else in this room who needs to get baptized? All right, I pray, I pray it's so. And listen, there are all kinds of gifts wrapped up in God's kindness, what we're looking at uh, right here. Um, go back to the part where it talks about the washing of regeneration. Back one, one slide. Backwards. There we go. Yeah. So God saved us according to his mercy through the washing of uh, regeneration. The word regeneration just means going from spiritual death to spiritual life. Right? This is what God does when he saves someone. He puts the taste in your mouth for Jesus. He gives you that want to deep down to act like Ruth. That, that's what God does through the power of his spirit. Right? His Holy Spirit gets down inside your heart and your life. And you say, you know what? I like Ruth. And and you know what? I want to be like her. You want to believe like her? You want to believe in the Lord God of Israel and his son, the Lord Jesus? And you want to act like Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth and do some kindness to other people? He pours out his spirit on us richly through Jesus Christ. That's what this says. Go to the next slide. He pours out his spirit 
on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. You know, what that, you know what that means? That doesn't mean we get up and hoop and holler and run around and act nuts and awkward and scare people to death because we're acting, interacting crazy and doing things that are unbiblical. Here's what it means. It means showing the same type of love and loyalty these people were showing. That's what the Spirit of God leads you. The Spirit of God leads you to believe in Jesus and to show the same type of loyalty and love that Ruth Boaz and Naomi were showing. The Spirit leads us to care for other people and to freely make it our business to look out for others. I know you guys are hearing me. You're thinking, well, that sounds hard. Yeah, that's why it takes the Spirit of God to make it your business to look out for someone besides yourself and your own family. Are you doing that? Are you doing Are you making it your business to look out for, for other people? Or are you just a nice Christian? but you don't actually do the kindness of God. A nice Christian who doesn't do the kindness of God makes me wonder if they are Christians. Because we're called to actually bear the fruit of the Spirit uh, in and through our lives. God's kindness justifies us, what this passage says. Yeah, yeah, so so having been justified by His grace. This story is beautiful because uh, Ruth comes to Boaz empty with nothing. And Boaz basically fills her grocery cart up and says, take that home to your, to your mother-in-law. And that's what God does for us in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to him empty, having no goodness, having no righteousness, no kindness. And God unites us to his son, the Lord Jesus. He Bluetooths us to Jesus, right, and gives to us all of his kindness. So maybe you, this week you thought, I don't know, maybe God's given up on me. Maybe I've gone too far. Maybe my life is too dark and my heart is too dark and I've done things that I know that he wouldn't approve of and I've sinned against him and he, he's done with me. If you believe in Jesus, no, he is not. God looks at you and sees your life as if you had lived the kindness of Jesus. That is what the Bible calls being justified. That is, you, you can claim the life of Jesus as your, as your very own. He fills up our grocery cart full of goodness and acceptance and, and love. Right? And, and that's what makes you a kind person. What makes you a kind person is recognizing, who am I? Who am I that God would be kind to me? I, I'm wicked. I'm a sinner. I, deserve, I don't deserve his kindness. I deserve his justice. But look at what he's done for me. How can I not be kind? See, that's what changes your life and makes you a kind person. Paul was talking about the same thing in Romans 8, 31. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And he was talking about being justified. But he's basically saying, listen, if God has filled up your grocery cart and said, hey, basically, when I look at you, I see the kindness of Jesus, then who can say anything about you? What does it matter if the world slanders you, calls you a bigot, or says this, and says that? It doesn't matter if God says, not guilty, justified, as good as my son, the Lord Jesus. And you know what? If God is for you, you can really show kindness to people and not worry about the consequences. Far too many Christians are, are, are worried about what people are going to say or what, what's going to happen or the consequences. Listen, if you believe that God has justified you, you ought to not give a rip about the consequences. Because something, there's something better out there for you than the approval of man, the approval of God and his acceptance for you. Kindness looks like taking responsibility for the blessing of other people. 
All right, isn't that what we see Ruth doing here? Ruth took the responsibility for her mother-in-law in her hands, right? And said, you know what, I'm going to marry this guy Boaz to bless my mother-in-law. Where is the Spirit of God leading you to do the same thing? To take responsibility uh, for blessing other people, to freely, remember our definition, to freely make it your business to look out for someone else besides yourself and your own immediate family. That is the kindness of God. Let me, let me ask you a question. This definition of kindness says you make it your business to look out for other people. Do you believe that God has looked out for you in a major way in Christ? You believe that? I imagine all of you in here believe that, right? Then who are you doing that for? Who are you doing that for? We can't, we can't just say, okay, I believe in this, but it actually not pour through our lives to, to other people who desperately need uh, his kind. Of course, do that in your family. Yeah, you need to do that at home. Yeah, you need to be showing kindness at home, sacrificial kindness uh, towards one another. I'm not talking about being nice. I'm talking about being loving and speaking the truth to one another, really caring about one another. Yes, do that at home and with your family. But this passage is pushing us out of our inwardness, selfishness, to see others right here in this community, to love. You know, you know God wants you to love other people within our church and to care for them. This is the type of church that we are, y'all, if you're here visiting with us today. We actually want to get to know one another and show real kindness to one another to make it our business to actually look out for the interests of the other people here. Someone to love and to be loyal to. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15 puts it like this. And he, Jesus, died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves. All right, that's, that's a Christian right there. Someone who doesn't live for themselves but lives for Jesus. See that there? And they demonstrate the kindness of God towards other people. The real kindness takes self right out the picture. It's not about me. It's about these people in this room and loving them and serving them. And this is the kind of church uh, that we want to be, kind of people that we, we want to be. And only God's kindness can do that in our lives. Only God's grace and God's kindness through the power of the Spirit can make us these type of people. And that's what we want to ask him to do now.